0: You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Koop. Today marks, as you well know, the 100th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. hundred years ago today, that great ship sank. The world's watching it. If you go to the television channel, you can probably find five or six shows that are talking about the sinking of the Titanic. If you go to the movie theater, James Cameron has his latest release, the 3D version of the movie that he made about it. It was an incredible disaster that we still look back and think about, reflect on. And today we're going to talk about how do we deal with disaster when it happens. And we're going to take some lessons from the Titanic story. It's really a prophetic beacon in many ways, the Titanic the Bishop of Winchester, the Sunday after the disaster, said this, the Titanic, name and thing, will stand for a monument and a warning to human presumption. There was a presumption that the technology would save them. At that time in history, people felt technology is the answer. We actually, in many ways, don't even need God anymore because technology is going to save us. That was kind of the prevailing thought of the day. We're going to look at the warnings that were given to the people on the Titanic and of course, disaster followed, but I want to say right at the very beginning that God would prefer that we didn't have disaster in our life. God would prefer that we would be spared from it. He, he's a God that warns. He's a God that saves. He's a God that delivers, and even when we're caught in the trap of life, He saves us, delivers us, so God has a great passion, love for His people and wants to spare them. We're going to go to Mark chapter 4, so if you have your Bibles, find Mark chapter 4, And uh, we we have some verses in the handouts. You can take the handout. Of course, you can scan the QR code. and Your notes will come up there. And uh, you can find, you know, really today, we don't have an excuse not to bring our Bible to church. Because you can have it in the old-fashioned form. Or you can have it on your iPhone or your iPad or your Blackberry or whatever. But find Mark chapter 4. And uh, let's go through this classic uh, parable about the sower sowing the word, different types of soil. Good news for you, church, we are uh, on course to have our app ready for next week, okay? So next Sunday, we're hoping that you can download the Coastal Church app. We were hoping to have it ready for Easter, but we just found out that making an app is a lot more work than it looks like, and a lot of, uh, if you're in that industry, you could appreciate it. You're going to love the options that are in it, and of course, one of the things that are going to be on it is the Bible. Have you found Mark chapter 4? All right. Three of you have. The rest of you keep looking. It's there. Mark chapter four. Matthew, Mark, second book of the New Testament. Mark chapter four. This is a story, of course, about the farmer who plants seed on different types of soil. And uh, we're going to take a little different angle on it today. Oftentimes we talk about uh, the soil being the, the key component of it. But today we're going to talk about listening. Because I think this parable has a lot to do with listening and, more specifically, how we listen. The Lord starts off this parable, the Mark chapter 3, with one very short sentence, with an exclamation mark afterwards. He starts off with this one word, listen, exclamation mark. That's how He starts the parable. And if you go through the parable, and if you read the end of the parable, you'll find that this story has a lot to do with the way we listen. How is it two people can come to the same church? They can sit in the same row. You can have a husband and wife. You can have a brother and a sister. You can have two friends. They come to the same church, sit in the same pew year after year, and one goes on to do incredible things with their life, incredible things for God, and the other doesn't do much of anything. What's the difference? I think one of the greatest things is the way we listen. Because you can listen this morning and not listen. You can listen and go in one ear and out the other ear like your mom used to say. Or you can listen this morning, even nod and say amen, but you're in Hawaii or you're, you're shopping or you're, you're somewhere else. So the way we listen is very much related to how we're going to end up living our life. Now, in the story of the Titanic, the way they listened had a lot to do with the disaster that they found themselves in. Fifteen times in the gospel, in the book of Revelation, Jesus said this, 15 times. So he's repeating himself a lot, 15 times. He says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. So a lot has to do with listening in life. Larry King said this, every morning I remind myself that nothing I say this day will teach me anything. If I'm going to learn, I'll do it by listening. Mark chapter 4, 24, it's in your notes. Jesus said at the end of the parable, he went on to say, Pay attention to what you're listening to. Again, exclamation mark. The Lord's pretty passionate about listening. Knowledge will be measured out to you by the measure of attention you give. How you pay attention to what you listen is very much related to the way knowledge will increase, the success you have in your life, and also your ability to avoid disaster in your life. From the parable, there's some characteristics on listening that we're going to learn, and they relate to the story of the Titanic. One of the reasons the Titanic couldn't hear the warnings is because of pride. Pride is a primary tool of Satan. That's why he fell was because of pride. Mark chapter 4.15 As the Lord explains the parable of the sower, he says this, Some people are like the seed that falls on the hardened soil of the road. No sooner do they hear the word than Satan snatches away what has been planted in them. The hardened soil. This is a path where lots of people walked or could be like our sidewalk. If you went outside and scattered seed on the sidewalk, in about three minutes, pigeons are going to fly by and they're going to pick up the seed and the seed's gone. This is what he, how he shared the parable. The sower throws out the seed, it lands on hardened soil, and the birds come and take it away right away. Then he goes on, when he explains it, he said, now, if you don't understand this, you won't understand all the parables. This is a key parable. It's kind of like a master key. He said, if you, how will you understand the rest if you don't get this one? So he was really emphatic to understand this. And again, it comes back to the way we listen. So... If we don't listen right, we actually harden our heart. We can hear it, but we don't hear it because pride has gotten in the way. And on that Titanic ship, there was an attitude of pride and arrogance. We have the greatest ship in the world. We have the biggest ship in the world. We have the fastest ship in the world. We have the most luxurious ship in the world. We have the most technology, uh, uh, most. technologically, there you go, technologically advanced ship in the world. And so there was a sense of, yes, we are, we're unsinkable. And they actually had said that the ship was, you know, unsinkable. And then later on, it got picked up that God Himself could not sink the ship. I mean, there's just a little bit of pride and arrogance and that kind of a statement. So the ship heads out. You know the story. They leave from England on the way to New York. And It would have been the day before, the 14th of April, they get a number of warnings about an iceberg field that was ahead of them. Matter of fact, they get six clear warnings. There is an iceberg field ahead of them. We know from reading history that the captain, Captain Smith, and also the owner of the company, they were intent on setting a speed record. They wanted to break a record, get to New York, get some free advertising, Big competition between them and another uh, ship line. And so they were after that. Again, there was a lot of pride going on in this. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You could circle that verse, write it down, underline it, because that still works in our lives today. Pride comes in. We're not even listening to the warnings, what's being said. Proverbs thirteen ten: Pride leads to arguments. Those who take advice are wise. Proverbs 13, 14, the advice of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who accept it, listen carefully to this one, avoid the snares of death. Could they have avoided the snare of death on the Titanic if they took advice? Absolutely. But pride was in the way. Jeremiah six ten, we read, God saying, to whom can I give warning? Who will listen when I speak? Their ears are closed. They cannot hear they scorn the word of the Lord. They don't want to listen at all. It's not like they can't hear. It's they've closed their ears, they don't want to listen. Their heart has become hardened. Who hardened their hearts? They had hardened their hearts. Pride comes in. It hardens their heart. We can't hear God speaking. The day before the Titanic hits the iceberg, there was a warning that came from the coronia traveling from New York to Liverpool. It said, there are icebergs in your path. Captain Smith gets a notice, and he posts it. In the afternoon, a Greek steamer warned of icebergs and a field, ice, a field of ice. Then later on, another German oil tanker, warning number three, came along. But it took them five and a half hours later that they would post that warning for the, those that were steering the ship to sea. Then at 7.30 that night, another warning from the Californian about ice north of the Titanic. The message was never taken to the captain who was having dinner. They didn't want to bother him. After all, they're on the Titanic. Everything is safe. Why would we bother him? Then at 940 that night, another message, warning of ice fields. John Phillips was the operator at the telegraph who received the message, but he never even delivered that message. First message they got. Second message was delayed getting to them. Didn't want to bother the captain on another one. Now this message comes and they don't even deliver it to the captain. They are on the Titanic. Everything's cool. A lot of pride. Then at 11 o'clock, the final warning comes from the Californian. And this operator, he's busy there working. What he was doing, because they had the latest cutting edge technology, and they were so proud of their technology, they had passengers come to them and they could relay a message from the ship to Newfoundland. It was called Cape Race. From the ship to Newfoundland and then on to New York. And so everybody was using this modern technology and they were sending the messages. So he was busy doing that. He gets another message now from the Californian saying, We're stopped. There's icebergs. Heads up. Be careful. And his response when I read this absolutely shocked me. Here's what John Phillips replies First sentence, shut up, period. Second sentence, I am busy. Then he goes on and say, I'm working Cape Race. He's sending messages to Cape Race, Newfoundland. The California would try another half hour, and then they gave up. So did God give lots of warning to the Titanic so they could have avoided the disaster? Absolutely. Does God give us warnings in our life? Absolutely. He he desires that none should perish. I believe God goes out of his way for every man, woman, and child to warn them of disasters in this life, but also for the greatest disaster of all is that is to leave and go into eternity without knowing the love of God, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. They were warned. Many times they've been warned. What kept them? What how come they couldn't hear it? Pride. Pride goes before destruction. Haughty spirit before a fall. Does that apply to our individual lives? Yeah, that also applies to our individual lives. Jude chapter 124, it's there in your notes. It says, God can, can guard you so that you don't fall and so you, do, you can be full of joy and stand in his glorious presence without fault. God, said, he desires that none should perish. He, he doesn't want us to fall. He's able to keep us from stumbling. And I think he was trying to keep the boat that night too from stumbling. But because of pride, they weren't able to hear So, question. Let's just pause here for a bit. We're Canadians. We're on the great Canadian ship. Are there any icebergs on the horizon today for us? Could we have Canadian pride? Oh, when I travel, I wear a Canadian badge on my backpack. I'm Canadian. Now, there's nothing wrong. You can have a good Canadian pride. We don't want to discount that. But there can also be an arrogance that's we think because we're on the Canadian ship, we're unsinkable. Do you know today that for every dollar the average Canadian makes, he spends $1.5? But we just merrily sail along. We've got so much momentum. We're not going to slow down. We've got momentum. Our Canadian debt continues to go up. Is that an iceberg? That's an iceberg. But we could live with pride and say, oh, you know, we're invincible. Our banks are the best in the world. We're, we're unsinkable. We could live with that kind of an attitude in our world today. I'm going to bring it really home today. <laughs> Secondly, we have we ha- we think, well, you know, oh, this is the best country everybody wants to live in Canada. We have everybody wants to live here. But you know what's on the horizon? It's called the demographics of winter. And that is a population that's changing. We talk about population explosion, but really the only reason the population is, continues to grow is because we live longer. We're not dying like we used to in wars and so forth. We're living longer. The average Canadian fertility rate in 1960 was four. That meant the average woman was having four children. Today it's 1.66. You need 2.1 children per woman to sustain the population. So we say, well, that's no problem. Everyone wants to immigrate to Canada. Guess what? Tides are changing. Nations that used to send people here are becoming to prosper. And they're saying, I think we want to keep our people. People are actually starting to move back to their countries. And we have an aging population, and we do not—they just raised retirement past sixty-five. What? What? What is the warning there? The warning is this: if we continue on this track that we're on, we will not be able to live like we do today. And our future generation has a big problem if we don't change course. God warned them to change course of the Titanic, but they were too full of pride to change course. Too much momentum, too many people making money, too much at stake. We want to be the fastest ship. We want to be the best. Could God be warning Canada? Could He be warning us? Get so quiet in this place this morning. (laughs) We have climate change. Warning after warning. Things are changing. Prepare. But there's too much money to be made. There's too much momentum. How do we slow it down? And I think God warns us as a country. I think He warns us as families. I think He warns us as individuals. But if there is pride and arrogance, the Titanic, the great Titanic, and even the telegraph operator, He would say, Oh, this is a Californian. Oh, that's a little, uh, you know, this is a little German oil ship, or this is a little Greek steamer. Who are they to tell us we're the mighty Titanic? We don't have to listen to you. Pride, arrogance. We found in our years of pastoring that when you go to help somebody and give them guidance and even warn them, the more money they have, the more influence they have, the more power they have, the less they want to listen. This is true for the Titanic. It was arrogance. It was pride. They They were speaking, but, oh, you're just a little Californian. What would you tell me? We are the Titanic. We are unsinkable. Shut up. Go away. And sometimes we can have that attitude with God. Oh, go away, God. I got it all figured out. So pride can stop us from hearing what God has to say to us. Another thing that Jesus talked about would stop us from having that word bear fruit in our life is apathy and indifference. The problem wasn't that they're hearing, but it's, again, how they heard. Jesus compares it to seed that lands in the gravel. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm, but there's such shallow soil of character, soil of character, that when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. On the Great Titanic, there was an attitude of apathy and indifference. When they reviewed it, US Senate, in the inquiry, they came back with this conclusion. Number one, Captain Smith's indifference to danger was a direct cause of the disaster. He was overconfident. Two, the organization of the escape was haphazard. Three, a high proportion of third-class passengers was lost because they were given no warning before the ship was doomed. And fourthly, some lifeboats were only partially loaded. None had a compass. Only three had lamps. Five hundred people needlessly sacrificed for want of orderly discipline." There was a lack of preparation. There was indifference. There was apathy. Why? Again, because they thought, we're okay. This is a great ship. We don't even have to do lifeboat drills. It's not going to sink. And we just had history repeat itself not too long ago with another ship that didn't do lifeboat drills. Remember that story? And here's this great Titanic. and they said, We don't need to do a lifeboat drill. We don't even need all the lifeboats. They could have put more lifeboats on, but they said, let's have room on our deck. We don't want to have more lifeboats. It would inconvenience people. So, not enough lifeboats and no lifeboat drills. Indifference and apathy. Apathy. As a result of it, they couldn't hear the warnings. If we have apathy and indifference in our life, very difficult to hear God speak to us. If we go around singing the song by Doris Day, "K, sera, sera, I'm a Canadian, whatever will be, will be. I live up here, and it's good. Ah, yay, I'm Canadian. Yes, it's good, it's okay. I could just kind of coast along. And God's saying, be a sober spirit, be of the alert. Canadians, be of sober spirit, be of the alert. Vancouverites, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Don't be apathetic, don't be indifferent. I'm preaching to the choir because I think you're in church today listening. I don't think you are apathetic, I don't think you're indifferent, otherwise you wouldn't be here. But I think the message needs to be heard for us personally and also even as a nation that we're not apathetic and indifferent. Lifeboat drills, what are lifeboat drills? How do we apply that? I think this morning coming to church is a lifeboat drill. You could have skipped it. You would have been all right. It was a bit of work to get here. You could have skipped it and said, I'm going, to, the sun runs going on. It's going to be extra effort to get down there and parking and all the rest of it. And you could have skipped it. Cheryl and I have taken a few cruises on our life. And, and every time they say a lifeboat drill, they go, okay, all right. We're, we're not really excited about the lifeboat drill to begin with. But when we get out there, we're really glad we did the lifeboat drill. And sometimes we're not really excited to do our devotions or really decided to pray or even do, maybe even come to church, whatever. But this is lifeboat drill. There's preparation, there's something about being prepared and ready, not being apathetic and indifferent, being sober, being on the alert. And if we're not sober on alert, we can't hear the messages that God's speaking to us. God actually, if I can use this word, because it's a strong word, God hates indifference. Uh, it's in your notes, Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. He's speaking to a church, and he says this, I know all the things you do. We could stop there. I know all the things you do. I know all the ways you think. He knows the way you're thinking right now. He actually knows the way you're listening right now. He knows all about us. He's on I know all the things you do. And then he goes on to say that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, exclamation mark. But since you're lukewarm or indifferent, we could say, I will spit you out of my mouth. That sounds pretty strong. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need of anything. And you don't realize you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Is that strong or is that strong? I think God has a problem with apathy and indifference. Now, if you read the rest of this challenge to the church, he doesn't write them off. He doesn't say, oh, because you're apathetic, because you're indifferent, I don't want anything to do with them. God always continues to reach out to us. Later on, he says, I stand at the door and knock. To this same group that's indifferent, he's still knocking. He says, I'm standing there and knock. And then, listen carefully, because he says, if anyone hears my voice, if anybody knows how to listen, I will come in, dine with them, and they'll dwell with me. So this whole challenge here again is all about listening. What stops us from hearing God speak to us in life? Pride, apathy, indifference. But another thing we found on the Titanic is selfishness. They were worried about themselves. They were caught up in the assumption that they couldn't sink. The Titanic was all about image. It's all about the way they looked. It was an amazing ship. The rivets alone to hold the ship together weighed 2 million pounds. The rudder was six stories high. It had a full-size swimming pool. It was the largest moving object ever made by man at the time. It had a full squash court, grand staircase. It had a gym. It had a dark room for photography. It was four city blocks long, 11 stories high, no expense spared. It was opulence. It was an amazing piece of technology of that time. And so much of it was about self. And when you read the stories, you read the accounts that were around the story of the Titanic, there was a lot of selfishness on the ship about me, and there was a lot of selfishness even afterwards when they were in their lifeboats. And when we live in an attitude of self, it's about me, we have trouble hearing what God's saying to us. Because we were designed to care for others. We were designed to be caretakers. We were designed to help other people. We're designed to to give. To live is to give. And when it's all about me, we have trouble hearing what God's saying to us. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, He said, take care of the garden. They were designed. The DNA was to care for others. But this whole ship is a picture of a society that was just caring about themselves. And if you watched the movie or read the story, you know that was a theme that ran through it. We have this nature from when we're kids. The Bible calls it the flesh nature or the old nature. When we had baptism last night, we talked about that old nature being buried. We had a lot of fun in baptismal class beforehand because we were talking about how your old life is the Titanic. It's going to get buried today, but then you have a new life. And in the Greek, the word baptism actually comes from a picture of a ship being submersed or going under. So the Titanic was baptized. It got sunk. And our old life got sunk. But the good news is a new life emerged, a new life in Christ. And this old nature, we we have it from really childhood. We, We wrestle with it. And God comes and gives us a new nature. Somebody gave toddler property laws. This is how little kids think. If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it for a while, it's mine if I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the kind of... But if we have that attitude, I mean, it's very hard to hear God speak to us. So they had trouble hearing that day because of pride because of apathy and indifference, and because also this attitude of selfishness which blocks us from hearing God speak to us. So how should we listen? We should embrace, respond. There's a clear picture in the story of the Titanic of a group that followed this. They were attentive, they were committed, teachable, compassionate. And the Lord in his story, he said here, the way you listen can be compared to a farmer planting seed into soil. And the soil that takes it, embraces it, holds on to it, doesn't let it get choked out, produces 30, 60, and 100-fold. Something amazing, bigger than you. Because you, you're the seed. And you, but when you embrace this, it, it's like God multiplies your life. It's more than you can imagine or think. The Carpathia in the story is a picture of that. The Carpathia was a ship that came up to the Titanic and rescued the people. In the story of the Carpathia... The captain who became famous for this, he was later knighted, Sir Arthur Rostron, he gets the news just after midnight. So it would have been 100 years ago today, just after midnight, he's asleep, he gets the news, and the news was that the Titanic was sinking, and the response was, would you go and help? Now, he could have been like the captain of the Californian. The captain of the Californian, he had, their people had actually seen the flares. He went back to bed. He woke up at 4.30, and then later on in the morning, he took a ship there. But not this captain. He's doing this fourth way. He's responding. He's embracing the news. He's hearing it. The way he's listening is so crucial. And so what did you do? He gets up and he says, okay, we got three doctors on board. Wake them up. One doctor, you're going to go in this room. Another doctor, you're in the dining room. Another doctor, you're over here. Let's get all the medical supplies we can, and let's prepare for them. That's listening, attentive. What are we going to do? Then he says, okay, cooks, how much soup we got? Let's make some soup. Let's get some hot coffee going. Let's get that ready. Then he said, you know what? There's going to be kids, so let's get some canvas bags to lift up the children. Let's get ladders down the side of our boat. We're going to go through this iceberg field, so I want people on every side watching for icebergs. We're going to have to go as fast as we can to get there. Uh, what else can we do? He had a list of things that he was getting ready for. One of the things I thought was really cool, he got his staff ready. He said, these people are going to come off that boat. They're going to be in shock. They're survivors. I want you to get their names when they come on board because we want to let their relatives know as soon as possible that they have been rescued. So let's get their names. This captain was thinking about every detail and he was ready to respond. God says, that's the way to listen. Attentive, compassionate, caring. You can hear different ways. But this is the way to listen. And so you know the story. He pulled up there and they rescued these survivors and put them on the boat, welcomed them, fed them. And his leadership, his, the way he listened was contagious. Other passengers were on the boat. They woke up and they said, hey, we'll give up our rooms. We'll do whatever. And that boat was a picture of somebody embracing and listening the way God wants us to. There's another great story that that captain wrote in his book, The Loss of the Titanic. And I thought I'd read it to you this morning as we close. Again, it's a picture of a woman who listened this way. He writes, some of the first boats, these are these lifeboats that were leaving the Titanic, have got away, had got away, not filled to capacity. But later others were overlooked, and there were heart rending moments when well-laden boats pulling o- about encountered poor fellows swimming in that ice-cold sea. In the case I'm recounting, a boat's gunwale was seized forward by a swimmer. It was well before dawn. No one could see who it was, but many voices were raised protesting against him being hauled in. We're full, we're full, they cried. Don't let him come in. One woman in the stern sheets, however, nursing her sorrow of a husband left behind on the sunken ship, begged for the swimmer to be taken in. The pity in her pleading prevailed, and she knew that the swimmer had been saved before. She sank back into the frozen coma that great tragedy engenders. Hours passed. At length, dawn lit the haggard faces of those who huddled shiveringly in the boat. Only then did the woman see the features of the drenched man. She had been chiefly instrumental in dragging from a death by drowning. It was her own husband. Incredible story. I would say that's 30, 60, or 100-fold return for listening well. There's just something about the way we listen to hear God speak to us that produces a life of abundance. If you, pride is in our life, it hinders us from hearing. If indifference, apathy is in our life, it hinders us from hearing. If there is selfishness, it hinders us from hearing. It chokes out God speaking to us. But if we live, embrace, respond, act upon with compassion, great things will happen in our life one other story, and then we'll close. There's an interesting fellow that James Cameron doesn't talk about in his movie. He doesn't make the movies for obvious reasons you'll see as I get into the story. He was a pastor in London. He, his wife had passed away shortly after his daughter Nana was born. And when she was six, his church had grown. He was now asked to move from London to Chicago. So he's on the Titanic, third class, traveling to Chicago. And when the Titanic was going down, he gets his little girl to the lifeboat. He kneels down, kisses her goodbye, and says, I'll see you again. It's okay. Get in the boat. She gets in the boat, and she's uh, safe. But John Harper was his name. John went up and down, and he kept telling people, let's get the women in the boat Let's get the children in the boats. But then he said something else. He said, let's get the unsaved in the boats. If you don't know the Lord, you need to get in the boat. And so he tried to get them into the boat. As the ship was going down, he was one of those who jumped into the water. When he was in the water, he began swimming about, and he would go up to people, and he said, do you know the Lord? Are you saved? And he would go from person to person and witness with them. He came up to one man who was hanging on to a piece of wood. He had no life jacket. He said, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you saved? And he said, no, I'm not. So he explained to him in that frozen, chilling Atlantic water while he's there, life jacket on, guy hanging on the board. He's explaining to him the way of salvation, how much God loves him, what Jesus did for him. He said, do you want to accept Christ in your life? And the man said, no, I don't think so. And he said, okay. So he swam on. But before he swam on, he said, you know what you need? You need as much time as you can get. So here's my life jacket. He gives him his life jacket. Now he's swimming without a life jacket in the cold water up to different people, and he's sharing the love of Christ with them. Obviously, he doesn't have much time, and this man, he runs into him again. He says, I need to tell you again about the love of Jesus. Have you accepted him? Would you accept him? And the man says, I've been thinking about it. I want to accept Christ into my life. So there in the frozen water, that man accepts Christ as a Savior. And shortly after that, John Harper would drown in the water And this man who he had been sharing with was one of six people that was rescued and pulled into a boat. And he said, as he shared this later on with a group of survivors, the last thing that John Harper said when he went under the water was, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those were his last words before he perished. And this man stood up and told about a man who loved, lived, and I believe for him too, was a hundredfold return as that man went on to do great things. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.